Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Today, we continue the conversation with a man who continues to scrap his way to a more fulfilled and contributory life. Growing up near the casinos of Vegas with his five brothers, I can just imagine what he had to do to survive. Like how does a little boy fighting for survival end up at Brigham Young University with a sociology degree, captaining an NCAA indoor volleyball title, and being a 2016 Rio Olympic hopeful? Like how does that happen? Perhaps for Casey Jennings, it has something to do with his life mantra. There will never be a time where your life is not this moment. And we can both attest how true that is at this exact moment. So I really wanna find out what's allowed him to navigate raising three kids, 10, nine, six-year-old, while his wife, Carrie Walsh Jennings, battles it out on the beach volleyball court for her fourth run at Olympic gold. It's as if three gold medals aren't enough. Like seriously, leave some for the rest. No, but seriously, today I want to dive deeper. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I want to dive into this relationship that he has with his champion wife and how he navigates his own lofty dreams and desires while all the while raising a conscious family. So I know it's like, what are dreams really made of? Is it achievements, gold medals, titles, or is it moments of pure presence? Is it contributing to the next generation with his P1440 innovation? Is it seeing your kids be a source of inspiration in the world. And, and the question inside of me really is, do we inherently know the value of these kinds of dreams when we're kids and then become socialized to make it about achievement? Or are the visions we have for our life all a mere game of becoming? So Casey, if you're up for it, should we get into this inquiry? Great intro. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank That's you. Great. Yeah, let's get into it. Hammering. Okay. This is your life. So it's like, okay, so I had three brothers and there were five of you boys. So I'm trying to visualize growing up in Vegas 
five boys in the house and you being the youngest. Like, give us a glimpse of what that was like and what it helped you become. <laughs> oh, man, I have so many stories. Uh, growing up with four older brothers, being the baby, um, you know, stories that I don't even remember as a child that my mom told me. But, you know, one of the things that my brothers always did was, um, I don't know, they just let me know where I was in the pecking order in rude ways or, you know, I found out by pushing boundaries uh, you know, saying things like F you to your brother that's six years older than you, you learn really fast that that's not going to fly. Um, sometimes you wake up on, I woke up on the couch with clothespins in my nose and I'd wake up from taking a nap or falling asleep as a teenager. And one of my brothers was around the corner, just dying, laughing with no cell phones, nothing, but just getting pure pleasure out of watching me wake up with a clothespin on my nose or on my ear um, a lot of different things growing up that happened to me with brothers. But one thing that was sure to be true was that my brothers could beat me up. They could spit in my face, call me a chump, a crybaby. They could beat me in any sport. But if anybody else did, they made them pay for it. <laughs> so there was a sense of security and protection. And then there was a sense of I can't mess up in the mask um, type of thing when I was growing up, if that makes sense. If someone older than me beat me up, which did happen because I got in fights as a kid, then my brothers would say, if you fight a guy that's your age or younger than you, I'll never mess with him. But if you fight someone that's my age and they, and I find out about it, he's going to get beat up. So, you know, you better take him then because if I have to get involved, he's going to never mess with you again. And that happened a couple of times and I didn't go telling my brothers, they just found out and they would go handle it. <laughs> um, but then my mom, my mom by herself, nine months out of the year, my dad took us in the summers. My mom would take us to Mormon church okay. when I was growing up and she would, I mean, I literally would fight her going to church and she'd put a comb in my hair and she'd rip the comb down my long hair and say, get your ass in the car. You're going to church. And then, you know, I went to church and, learned some values and some different things. And my brothers uh, and I, you know, kicked and screamed going to church for a long time. Then we submitted. And then when I was 13 or 14, I, I didn't go to church anymore. Really 15, right around there. I stopped going to church. Do you go now? I go to Catholic church with my wife. She's Catholic and my kids are born Catholic mm. and uh, we go to church. Uh, yeah, we do. We go to church here right down the street from our house. Yeah, nice. And I'm learning, you know, I, I'm basically just educating myself. I'm spiritual. I believe in God, and but I don't follow one particular religion. I have things, bits and pieces that I've taken from all different religions that I've learned about. And it's kind of a, a relationship that I have, that uh, a spiritual relationship with a higher power. And I definitely believe in God. Nice. Well, you know, I, I, I totally... I totally get this um, description of your brothers and how it's like you could hate on them, but nobody else could. And I'm sure um, the same was said of them for you and, and the sense of loyalty and protection. And when you think about, you know, I did quickly ask you a question about life now, but I want to really make that transition between sticking with the little boy. Did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? 
when you were just mini Casey? I knew that sports was my outlet to heaven. When I was in second grade, I'd play soccer every single day. And one day after school, me and my friend found a ball and we were waiting for our rides. He was waiting for his dad. I was waiting for the bus. And his dad was watching us for a few minutes and he saw me playing soccer with him. And my friend was really good. And he went to his car and said, see you later, Casey. And he ran to his car and, he, and then he got back out and ran over to me. He said, hey, my dad, my dad asked me if you play on a soccer team. And I said, no. And I think that moment is, I don't, I've never thought of it till just now that that moment changed my life because my parents weren't athletes. They didn't play sports. That um, father, uh, Tom Brooker, I remember him because he's my best friend's dad. He said, uh, get him. We want him, to, we want him to play on our team, the Pistons. That was it. I played on the Pistons for like seven years. And then yeah. I played in high school and, and I played basketball with my brothers. We played on some teams um, and I played like stick ball in the street baseball with no, no like organized teams or anything, but I, me and my brothers ran so much. I, I played every sport. I skateboarded, I snowboarded, I did all kinds of different, oh, bike riding, BMX, stuff like that. But it, it changed. I think it changed my life forever looking back on it. So when I was at a young age and I got into sports, the more that I played them, the more that I said, I'm going to play soccer for the rest of my life. I'm going to be a professional. I'm going to go to the Olympics. Mm. I had no idea how that was going to happen. I just knew that I was good at it. I got a lot of compliments and I was hungry for it. And I, and I ran my ass off. <laughs> and what do you think that, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because as we delve into this idea of, I love sport. Um, you know, I think as kids, we don't analyze it. We don't look at why we love it. You know, you jumped in the car, you're with your friend, it's like, can you even try to remember what allowed you to take it from, I love playing on the Pistons to, I want to do, like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to go to the Olympics. Do you know what allowed you to make that jump? Like, how did you even know about the Olympics? Um, I just knew that was the pinnacle of most sports. That was the place that everybody wanted to go to and that you'd see on TV every once in a while. But when I knew that I wanted to be an athlete really was that, I didn't get a lot of lessons at home. My mom was a cocktail waitress. Um, she worked the graveyard shift, which is 7 p.m. to 4 a.m. So little time was spent looking at books or reading books or going over my homework. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to the classroom in school at a young age, I remember how quiet I was in the classroom and how scared to death I was that I didn't want anyone to look at me, call on me or anything. I wanted to get my paper in as fast as I could but I was, I was horrible at school at a young age. At least I was scared of it. Um, and when I got out onto the soccer field, I found this different human being almost. I was a leader. There was nothing else that could get in my way that I wanted to, I didn't, I don't like to say I wanted to win. I wanted to run and compete and I was aggressive and I was a leader and I just, my, my wings would spread super wide. And all of a sudden I found this place that was home for me. Um, I didn't get a lot of like my mom and dad weren't at my games. And I just, it was just this, I don't know, this inner peace that I found on the field and I just fell in love with it. So any sport that I played, I just, I was almost just all in. I would dive in face first and listen to my coaches. I learned from them. 
Um, and I still accredit a lot of the coaches and mentors that I had were my mentors at the same time, my coaches. And I was blessed with having great teachers that allowed me to learn the ABCs of a game, which I knew later on became the staple for my progression as a professional or in college or even in high school when I learned that the ABCs were so important from my coach that I had something different than even the best athletes on my team. They could jump higher, run faster, whatever it was, but they, they just never outgrinded me. They could run faster than me for four sprints, but I would beat them eight to 10. Yeah. On the thing that you could control the grinding. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and I love that because I was like, man, if I work harder and press harder, this guy will stop. Hmm. I find this really cool to, to almost like, hear that when you said like sport was your your way to heaven you know and just how passionate you are as you're like recalling it and so if you could like take this like massive leap to today with the kids you know whatever chaos is going on in your house even to be able to be here today um you know calling in from california it's like when you look at all of that and now sort of this role that on top of that, your life is very Olympic because carries off, you know, traveling the world and the FIVB scene, um, you know, working up for another Olympics heading into Tokyo. How do you kind of live with that dream and passion you have inside with someone that you love who's following her dream and passion? How do those two things live together? I've told Carrie that I've told many people that everyone has their gold medal and some is literally a gold medal and going to the Olympics and winning one. And that's the dream I always wanted. And I always chased and I'll be fast with this because it's, I think it's important. And to know that how I got to the place that I'm at is that I went through a lot of questioning in my time. We were the number eight ranked team in the world for the 2008 Beijing Olympics. And the number seven and one team in America were the two teams that got to go because they don't take three teams. Hmm. And so I was denied the Olympics in 08. In 2011, 2010, the indoor coach asked me to come and play for the indoor team and that he wanted me to come play in exhibitions um, and be a leader and a libero on the court. Hmm. And I loved it. So I went and did it a little bit. And he said, Casey, I need you to be here. I want you to be here. Uh, I don't know if you'll beat so-and-so out, but if you do, it's yours. I said, if I come to this team and I give up my beach career, I'm going to beat him out. And I had a child in 2009 hmm. and it changed my life. But at the same time, I was like, I'm going to go to the beach in Olympics, in the Olympics. So I'm going to go to 2012 on the beach and I have sponsors and all these different things. So I said, gratefully, thank you for the offer, but I'm going to stay on the beach I didn't make it on the beach in 2012 and come 2015, my partner is now the assistant coach to the coach to the indoor team and asked me to go to the indoor Olympics in Rio. And mind you, they won a gold in 2012, I believe, right? Was it? No, they won in Beijing. Anyway, uh, 2012, I don't, I'm not sure what the indoor team got uh, dummy that I am, but in 2015, I was asked the same thing. I went in there to give him a motivational speak and talk to him and play with him one day. And the coaches both called me and said, Casey, we're interested in having you come to Japan with us for a month 
300 days before the Olympics because we think that you could be a fit for this team. And I was 40. Wow. And I said, this is a... I said, this is amazing. This is all I wanted my whole life. This is every, this was, this was it for me, man. This is my dream. Give me that red, white, and blue jersey. I'm going, and I'm going to win. I'm not going to get, I'm not going for anything else. And I know a lot of people say that, but in my heart, I always said as a kid, I just don't want to go to the Olympics because sometimes you can trick yourself. If I make it there, how stoked am I? But then it's like, no, I can't waste all of this just to get there. I'm going to win. So, I said, give me 10 days, you guys. I need 10 days. And Carrie's obviously going to Rio. Her and April are on fire. They're killing people. And I said, okay, what does this entail? What does this look like? They said, you're going to go to Japan for a month in September or whenever it was, September of 2015. And then we're going to be home for a month and then you're gone for another month. And then it's just running from there. And I said, okay, if I leave my children at this age, and I said, I never have wanted more than I want to go to the Olympics and go get a gold medal. And this is my opportunity. And I said, I just need 10 days to think about it. It only took four or five. Hmm. I don't even know if it took that many because I said, man, my gold medal is my family and my three kids and wow. everything that I have here. And I will not regret one bit of saying no to this. And I knew it already. I told Carrie and she's like, we can pull it off, honey. Like, and I said, I know we can get nannies. We can get family to fly down from four hours away where they, they live for five hours away in a car, hour plane flight. And we could manage it. We could do it. But I said, man, I don't want to. I want to raise my kids. It's more important for me, which I laugh at still because not, not because obviously it's more important, but for me, I did, I, I was able to just look at it right in the face and say, I'm done. I'm good. Wow. I'm so good. I want to watch my kids play soccer. I want to watch them uh, do their homework assignments. And I want to be right next to them. And I don't shadow them, but I'm going to kick ass. And I'm going to win five gold medals by raising my children in my own right. In my own mind, I'm a warrior and I don't, I, I, I'm good. And it's so fun for me right now in my life to have made that choice. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm not proud, like, oh, I'm proud that I, because, you know, I would have still had to earn a lot of things to make that team. But I'm just, it's so crazy to think about. But every day I drive around and I, and I, I still have a warrior mentality. I'm a killer. I still, I, I teach my kids the way that I was taught as a volleyball player. And it coincides with so many things in athletics. And I'm just really stoked on the decisions that I've been able to make to that point. So I, if that answers your question, it's long-winded. But I had no, and it was like, per, like I got, that makes me emotional. I don't know if it makes you emotional remembering it, but it's just like the clarity, the the sifting through all the stuff that doesn't even matter. And then I find a lot of people do that on their deathbed. You hear stories about people getting the clarity of what really matters on their last breaths, and I just love that you you not only had to choose like you actively chose it that's thank you i love that story it's the perfect answer to that um it's even more than i anticipated and and i just that's what i i really felt called to have you on the show because we talk a lot about people's dreams and and they're often like sort of coded in the story ends with you going to the olympics with the indoor team <laughs> but your story is 
something else entirely. And so do you feel that in choosing that, you feel like you've never had to justify that, explain that um, in the face of, let's say, Carrie choosing it in a different kind of way, meaning she makes other choices. Do you ever feel like you'd have to justify the choice that you made? No, um, I, no, I, I wouldn't want, I, I don't like it to be so much as like, oh, I didn't like, I, so what I'm thinking is like some people could say, wow, you sacrificed going to the Olympics and Carrie went for her sixth. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't, and, and that's certainly not on the tip of my tongue to tell people like, hey, did you know that I chose to raise my kids and, and instead of going to the Olympics, um, you know, for me, it's like, it's so much more, it's so much more, um, there's so much soul behind what I'm doing when I'm with my children. I never knew, I never knew growing up. So when I watch my kids play sports and soccer and my favorite sport is soccer. So when I watch my kids play soccer or I'm involved with them at, at school and I see my son play the piano at seven in the morning, I'm winning. I'm like, I'm in pool play and I'm dominating and people can't even get 10 points on me and I'm beating the shit out of people left and right. And it's just like, it's so incredible. And you know, there's people out there that, you know, their parents never saw them play sports. And I don't say boohoo me, like, like my poor mom and my dad, they, 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 you know, they were working and they were making money and they weren't able to go to games or they didn't understand sports. And I now go, Oh my gosh, if I miss this, I would be like, I could, this is my favorite. I can't wait for Saturday and Sunday to put up my little umbrella and put my chair up and get emotionally invested in my kids' games and just have fun watching them and then sit down with them afterwards and teach them or give them information about the lesson. So, no, I don't have to explain to people. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm living it. And it's really difficult uh, you know, to be a parent, but at the same time, there's so many victories and it is so much like sports. You get your ass kicked sometimes and then you win. And it, the more you win, the more you love the game and continue to play it because you're successful at it and doing well. And in Carrie's role, people have said like, you know, is Carrie doing this to show your kids that you can do anything you want? And is she doing it for this? And I said, no. I said, Carrie still has that little girl in her that wants to go to the Olympics and win a gold medal. Mm -hmm. And she's done it three times and won a bronze another time. And she's been to like, like this will be her sixth Olympics. And she still has that monster in her that wants another one. And it's, this is for Carrie. This is Carrie's doing this because Carrie wants to do it. And I say, get on the horse. And I slap the horse in the ass and say, go get them. Mm -hmm. Go get another one. I don't care. Like, I'm stoked for you that you still have that fire burning. You're going to miss some soccer games, but you're going to be at a lot of different things uh, for the rest of your life with these kids. And, and you know, if, unless she goes for another Olympics, then she's going to miss more. But, you know, that's all Carrie's choice, and I'm proud of her. It's, it's amazing that she still has that that fight to do what she's doing. So I credit her with doing that, and then I realized my role in this is to keep this place sound to keep her happy on the road and invested and connected to the family so that she can go out and beat the snot out of people. <laughs> and it's, it, I, I play a very crucial role in, in the success of what she's doing. And I'm, I'm proud of that for sure. And uh, she, you know, but this is, 
that's about Carrie getting what Carrie has some unfinished business. Yeah. I love, thank you for that because there's no, um, I love that because when you justify, it's a sense of that there's a right way and a better way. And it's just the way that you chose so powerfully. Love the comparison to parenting and sports. So good. Um, I think Nat and I find it so rewarding as well. So I just love your um, adjectives and like your descriptors. Cause I could sit in Jordan's new school. She just started a little kindy and I was like, man, I could sit in the back here and just get into this. Like, I'm just so into them learning. I find it yeah. awesome. Like I, I totally get um, how exciting it really is. And, and like you say, it's not the second prize, not even close. It's, it's a winning prize. And then to say, hey, it doesn't mean that that's not what Carrie's doing. So thank you for just making that parallel. Um, I remember an interview with Will Smith years ago with Oprah, and he said that he made a commitment that his soul was being there for his son's basketball. And he was filming a movie in China, and he would fly home from China every two weeks for the game and fly back. And everybody was like, you're crazy. You know, he'll, he'll understand. And he's like, I don't want to miss it. This is like, I'll never get it back. That, that like for him was, it just, that was a decision that he made. And it, to me, it didn't look hard. It was, it would have been hard not to do it. And so that's what I really yeah. heard, hearing that from you is just beautiful. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I can expand on that a week ago that this is, and it's not just having eyes on them, right? Like my son, my son, Joey was playing a soccer game. They were down two to three. This is one of the many, many learning experiences. They're down two to three. One of the kids on a team gets fouled and Joey gets the kick, the penalty kicks all the time. And his coach said, Joey, take it. And Joey ran over and said, coach, I took the first one earlier in the game. Let somebody else do it. And he'd never said that, but it was a playoff game. It was more pressure and it was, they were down two to three. So he was talking to himself in a way in his mind that was, Oh no, this is a big game. What if I miss it? I know he was, but I didn't notice it during the game. I'm just like, Joey, drop it in. Cause the one he put in earlier when it was only first quarter was real simple. So he goes up and he kicks this ball and he kicks it right to the goalie, probably 40% of the um, speed that he could put on the ball. And the goalie stops it, and he runs straight for the goalie and tries to get the deflection and put it in, and the goalie boots it out of bounds. And they lose. Uh, four minutes later, the game is over. Hmm. They're not out of the playoffs, but they lost to a team. And he comes over to me and he says, Dad, the rest was terrible, and the other coach was trying to stall the game so they could win. And he was like looking down and he was really bummed out. And I said, look at me. And I got down on my knee and I said, look at me. His brother and sister are sitting there. And I said, listen, that referee is a volunteer. He has nothing to do with the fact that you lost this game. And that coach over there, right or wrong, is supposed to be regulated by the referee. Nothing he was doing was wrong. Now you had an opportunity to change the game and tie it. So everything that you're talking about comes back to the fact that the, it's in your control. And he said, and I said, what did you tell your coach when I saw you? He said, dad, I, I told him that someone else should take it. And I said, 
okay, let's look at it. We sat there for 15 minutes and it wasn't a lecture. It was like, look, let's look at this. How did you feel when you went to your coach? He said, dad, I said, were you nervous? He goes, yeah. I said, okay, let's change it. So immediately in your head, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I need someone else to take this. You got a little anxious. I said, what if you would have said coach and raised your hand and said, I'm taking it. I got it, coach. I said, do you feel that? And he's like, yeah. And I said, now what if you went up and you thought it's two to three and I'm going to score this goal. And then we have four minutes to score another one and we're going to win. And that coach is going to be so pissed that he stalled and I'm going to win if the ref made bad calls or not. And we're going to get out of here and we're going to dominate. I said, can you feel that? I want you to think about it. And I want you to change that energy because you have another game tomorrow. Can you remember this? Next time you have a penalty kick, what's the first thing you do? He said, raise my hand and say, coach, I want to take it. I'm ready. And I said, yes. Do you think Steph Curry and I named all these other athletes? I said, they miss shots all the time. It's okay. And so being at the games is humongous for me, but being able to see them do things and mess up and then pull them aside and say, dude, what did that feel like? And explain it to them. And then the next day, I can't even tell you, Sarah, he, he, he crushed it. And it was so wonderful to have three in one because all three kids were listening and we all got to learn from it. And so those are the reasons, those are the wins, those are the victories for me. Hmm. Um, you know, being a good sport, having integrity and learning that that ref has kids too. He's going home. He's going to go eat dinner. Maybe he's bummed. He made bad calls. That coach over there is only there to piss you off more. And you need to make your pissed off part of it, not an excuse, but a reason to beat him that much more. Wow. And so So I had so much fun with it. (laughs) I love it. Like life happens. Isn't that your, your mantra? That's your whole thing. Life is happening yeah. now. Like life was on the field right then with your son. And just, I love that you recognize that your other kids, it's like they're just soaking it all in as well. You know, they're taking in that whole way of being, that whole reaction. And look, I, I don't know if you're up for it, but I have about a hundred other parenting questions because, you know, it's kind of where I'm at too, probably. Um, and so if you're cool with it, I'd love to have you back on. I want to talk about kids and screen time. I want to talk because I know you guys doing a lot of really cool things with your family, things that a lot of people wish they did. And, and I think it'd be really cool to hear how it exists in a real family. So um, if you're up for it, I'd love to have you back on and like really just go in on parenting. Would you be cool with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. The first thing I'd say about screen time is burn it, throw the thing away, put it in the trash right now, and I'll leave it at that. We'll get into it later. <laughs> yeah, Sim- burn it. simple solutions. Them. Yeah, well, they used to burn the bras. Now we're going to burn the iPads, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're hilarious. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, what, I'm getting, to, for sure. what I'm getting from this conversation is how much more we need to have. I appreciate you. I just love how you play life. Thank you for comparing the soul journey that you're, that you're having with those kids and comparing it to sport. That just gave me a whole new dimension and thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. And we'll, we'll get into it, but you know, I have all those emotions. I'm sad. I'm happy. I'm frustrated. You know, life's fucked up, but 
um, you know, these conversations are so healthy for people. And I just want everybody to know that anyone that is listening, it's not this perfect little flowery world. And, and, um, you know, it's just kind of navigating through it together and working and learning from each other. So I appreciate you having me on and, and uh, let's have fun and do it again as soon as you want. I'm around. And uh, thanks for having me on your show. Okay, to be continued. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.